there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Soul to soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Kedoshim. A warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on what's becoming an ever shorter, shorter Friday afternoon. But there's always time to be inspired. There's always time to speak together, say some wonderful words of Torah that will hopefully sort of carry us into the <coughs> into the Shabbos. So let's talk a little bit about, we're now in the Omer period. So the going tells us, the Vilna Gaon tells us, that the purpose of life is to break and control our, our Midas. And of course, it's no coincidence that the word Mida has a numerical value of 44 and 5 is 49, which of course corresponds to the number of days in the sphere, because this is the time for us to work on our on our midas. The pasuk says, "We had it in Pasha's Mitzrayim, the sofra la shivas yamim, that the woman who is a mitzrayim, who is a anida, has to count seven days, the achar and then she can be purified." This also alludes to the sphere, as after we count seven weeks and improve our ways, then we can really be pure. Mesechus Kalim concludes, Ashrecha Kalim, Shenechnesis Betuma, the Yotzes Betara. Happy are you, Kalim, that you entered in impurity, and when you departed after you've been to the mikvah, you are again pure. This, of course, is referring to uh, uh, opening and closing words of, of the Mesechta. But this can also be said of one who refines and purifies himself in this, in this world. There are many people from whom we can learn how to improve our behavior. The Gemara relates that it was said about Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai that no one ever greeted him first. Even a non-Jew in the marketplace as he would be sure to offer the first greeting. That is Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who was the Nasi, the leader in the period of the Churban Abayis, the destruction of the Besamekdash, and the needs of the Jewish people were all upon his shoulders. The Gemara relates that he mastered Chumash, Mishnah, Gemara, Halacha, speech of Malachim, and even more. In fact, he is called like an a important officer before the King Hashem. And in spite of this, it never happened that he was too busy, to, that he forgot to say hello first to even a non-Jew, even in the marketplace. Someone who lived more recently than that, we can also learn from, is Shlomi Gross. There were times when the real estate mogul Shlomi Gross had the opportunity to earn large sums of money, but opted to allow someone else to invest. 
so that the person could establish a successful business and livelihood for himself. In Yerushalayim in 1969, a few weeks before he passed away, Rav Yecheskel Sarna, who lived actually until from 1890 to 1969, was extremely weak. Nevertheless, he exerted himself to go to his yeshiva to Davin Mayrev. As he walked up the stairs, Rav Sarna and his attendant, who accompanied him, realized the yeshiva had just completed Mayrev. Nonetheless, Rav Sarna continued up the stairs. He explained that davening with a minion is a mitzvah de Rabbonon, but wishing the students a good week, a good tevach, is a mitzvah de Raisa. As it says, you have to love your fellow like, like yourself. Therefore, if I would go to my rinf, then I can exert myself to wish them a good vach. One way we must work on ourselves is to be more flexible and not get upset when things don't go our way. Indeed, the Gemara instru- instructs us, One should always be soft like a reed and not hard like a cedar tree. A wise person once said, A man was born gentle and weak. At death, he becomes hard and stiff. Stiffness is a companion in death, whereas flexibility is a companion in life. Where are you? This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back. There's much, much more coming. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Pashas, Kedoshim, 5782. What a wonderful Shabbos this is pretending to be. And we so look forward to it. We're so expectant to have a beautiful Shabbos where we're going to radiate with God's ambiance. We're going to radiate with the ability to study Torah and to share time with friends and, and family and to sing a few beautiful nigunim and to have some wonderful food. What a Shabbos it's going to be. Let's talk some Torah as we get ready for this Shabbos. Let's talk about candlelighting. You know, we know that when a woman lights her Shabbos candles, it's a very, very special time to daven. The Chazanish used to comment, that even a child who was not necessarily blessed with special intelligence, but puts all his efforts into his learning and prospers, is successful because of his mother's or grandmother's tefillas and tears, which were shed at the time of candlelighting. A young Rabbi Moshe Sternbuch once related a chiddush, a novel Torah thought to the Chibina Rav. The Chibina Rav told Rav Sternbuch, what you said now was not your original thoughts, but rather it was your mother's. It was in the merit of your mother's Phyllis the candlelighting that you were capable of constructing such a beautiful and novel Torah thought. The Das Moshe writes, that his father told him that the mother of Rav Shmuel, Kaldanover, 
who was the author, of course, of, of Birchas HaTzevach on Seder Kachim, and Birchas Shmuel on the Torah, among others for him, didn't know how to daven at all. However, at Shabbos candlelighting, she would daven in Russian, that it should be the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that her son Shmuel should be a Torah scholar. A child of a well-known, non-observant Israeli personality was Choyze B'tshuva and became, in fact, a, a Talmud Chochum. When asked what merit spurred this man's return to Yiddishkeit, the Chazanish replied, it was because of some ancestor who would daven at the Shabbos candles that her descendants merit to be righteous and God-fearing Jews. Even one tefillah, one tear is never, is never lost. A member of the Israeli family Moskowitz, which is world-renowned for their unmatched character and dedication to Torah and mitzvahs, disclosed a family secret as to their success. Says, my grandmother was not religious, but she always lit the Shabbos candles and davened for the success of her children and grandchildren, as this is what her mother did back in Europe. Her husband, my grandfather, worked for then uh, Prime Minister uh, Ben-Gurion at that, at that time in the nascent stages of, of the State of Israel. And when he would arrive home every day, he would praise the Prime Minister. Impressed by these accolades, my grandmother davened every Friday night after lighting candles that her descendants be like Ben-Gurion. One day, the Prime Minister met with the Chazanish. After the meeting, the Prime Minister called the staff together, including my grandfather, lauding this venerable a sage and his, and, and, and his incredible and superlative penetrating brilliance and deep perception in any kind of subject matter. That day, my grandfather arrived home and reported what Ben-Gurion said about the Chaznish. Upon hearing Ben-Gurion's praise for the Chaznish and how he never met such a giant of a man, my grandmother reasoned that if the Prime Minister held the Chaznish in such high esteem, she would start davening after lighting Shabbos candles that her children should be like the Chazan, should be like the Chazan, the Chaznish. The story is told that uh, in the mid-1990s, a certain Jewish outreach professional wondered what would happen if an illustrious publication like the New York Times printed the Shabbos candlelighting time each, each week. Imagine the Jewish awareness and pride that might result from such a prominent mention of Shabbos each week. He contacted a Jewish philanthropist, 
who agreed to fund this project, which cost nearly $2,000 a week. And so, for the next five years, every Friday, Jews around the world would see Jewish women, Shabbos candle lighting time this Friday is, and would give all the details. Eventually, the philanthropist had to reduce the number of projects he was funding. And so in June 1999, the little Shabbos candle lighting notice made its last appearance in the New York Times. Or at least that's what people thought. On January 1st, 2000, the New York Times ran a millennium edition commemorating the paper's 100th anniversary. This special issue featured three front pages. One contained the news from January 1st, 1900. The second contained the actual news of the day, January 1st, 2000. While the third front page featured projected headlines of January 1st, 2100. It included such stories as a welcome to the 51st state, Cuba, and a debate over the issue of whether robots should be allowed to vote. In addition to the creative articles that were there, there was one extra piece. On the bottom of the year 2100 front page was the candlelighting time in New York for January 1st, 2100. Nobody asked for it or paid for it. It was just put in by the Times. The production manager of the New York Times, an Irish Catholic, was asked about the entry. His answer speaks to the eternity of our people. We don't know what will happen in the year 2100. It is impossible to predict the future. But you can be sure of one thing, that in the year 2100, Jewish women will be lighting Shabbos candles. What's also so important is that, of course, we're all davening at Shabbat at candlelighting time. We're all davening together. We, we may not be in one place like in a shul, but the power of a communal davening is amazing. They tell a story uh, about a certain invigilator in a, university, in, a, in a university who gave a test which the students had one hour to complete. As the hour approached, there was one student that was finishing up the invigilator was adamant that he be finished by the end of the hour. A minute after the hour, the students came to hand in his, his test. However, the, the invigilator refused to take it. The student asked the proctor, Do you know who I am? And the response was, I don't know, and I don't care. The student exclaimed, You don't know? And then, he shoved this test in the pile of completed tests before running off. 
This is the marshal given to understand the power of davening together as part of a, a part of a group, in contrast to just davening by yourself. By yourself, you're exposed. But when you're davening at the same time as everyone is lighting the candles and everyone is davening together, your tefillah can ascend amongst the entire pile of tefillahs. This is 101.9 Chai FM. We'll be back in a moment. There's so much more to still talk about. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parashas, Kedoshim. We are uh, uh, preparing ourselves for this amazing, amazing Shabbos, and let's talk then a little bit about what is Kedusha. You know, we're going to read the Pasuk, Kedoshim to you, you shall be holy, why? Because I, Hashem, your God, are holy. In other words, Am Yisrael, there's a mitzvah to fulfill all the mitzvahs of the Torah, and through that, that's going to sanctify us. Like we say in, in our bracha, Hashem sanctifies us, Hashem makes us Kaddish through doing his mitzvahs. That through each mitzvah that every person does, so he uh, strengthens the, the, the ruchnius in himself, right? And, and you know, in, in the great battle that exists between the physical part of a person and the spiritual part of a person, every mitzvah we done, we do, gives the, the spirituality a leg up over the, over the gashmis. And in, in that way, he sanctifies him himself. You know, it's like the, the Balatanya says in his Sefer Lekute, Lekute Torah, Pashas that a mitzvah isn't only for the Lashon of Tzivoy, of a command, it's also a Lashon of Tzavsa, Chibor. It's, it's, it's a connection. Because when a Yid fulfills a mitzvah, so he connects himself and, and, and he becomes uh, closer to the Bari Olam. And and uh, and Rabbi Shimon Abayachai, he by through keeping all the mitzvahs, he reached such a high level that of I'm close to Hakadosh and I have the greatest desire to beat him. Right, where every single uh, uh, day that he was in this world, it it brought him closer and closer and closer to to Hakadosh Baruch until he got to the highest level that a human being just about could uh, could could reach. And uh, the the Ben Ishkai also writes the same thing in in his sefer, and he says, "What do we say?" We say, Hashiveinu ovinu We say, Bring us back. So he says, he, uh, 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 he, he explains it on that which the Arizal says that a person, through the Averis that he does, unfortunately, that causes that the, the light of the Kedusha that is intrinsically intended to be on a person, that light gets dimmed and it gets distant. Right? And and it's supposed to, through the learning of Torah and the, and the doing of mitzvahs and, and davening, it's supposed to get get uh, get stronger. Right? And that's the that question of vihinoyam. That's it's that, that pleasantness that we get 
through doing the mitzvahs, is supposed to be increased and increased every time we do a mitzvah. And unfortunately, it's diminished every time we do the opposite. And that's why we daven. Hashiveinu avinu lasar secha. HaKadosh Baruch bring us back to your, to your Torah. In other words, bring us back to the light of the Kedusha that is, is, is drawn to us <coughs> through our involvement in, in Torah. The Korveinu Ma'kein Lava And through that, bring us close to your Avayda. That is the, the light of the Kedusha that is drawn to us every time we daven, every time we do mitzvahs. Because that's called Avayda. Avayda Secha. Avayda Hashem is is tefillah and, and, and doing mitzvahs. However, the Duvna Magad asks the question. He says, the commandment to be holy, we understand. But the reason that the Torah gives, we should be holy because Hashem is holy, that doesn't make sense. What, can, could we not become holy and reach a, a high level of, of Kedushas Hashem? Why is, is that something that a human being... So what about Hashem holy? Do we have the ability to ever even come close to the Kedush of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How is it Shaiat even say, Kedushim to you, you should be holy, Ki Kedush Ani Hashem, because I, I, am, I am holy. Do we ever have the ability to, to reach Kaviyachal, to the, to the, uh, to the Kedusha of, of the Rabbani Shalom? What, what does the Apostle even, even mean? So the Divna Maggit explains... As is is, is is want through a a marshal. he says that there was a certain villager who lived in some far off little dorpy, but uh, he still managed somehow to be quite quite wealthy. And uh, you know, and and he had a and he had a daughter who had a tremendous tremendous uh, was a tremendously distinguished girl, and he decided that he wanted to get for her a, a chassan who would be a, a tamar chacham. <coughs> so her father saw <laughs> and in this little dorpy, he was not going to find what he was looking for. So he got up and he traveled to the big city where there was a, a big yeshiva with many, many good uh, bachrim sitting and learning the Torah day and night. And he went to the Rosh Shiva and he asked says, I have, a, I have a, 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 a daughter who is has all the virtues, all the milas, and I want for her a, a bacha from the yeshiva with very, very good midas, someone who's bright, someone who has a desire to, to, to grow, and uh, who is uh, in the future going to become something great. That, and obviously I'm, I'm uh, prepared that he should come to, the, uh, to my village, and he'll teach Torah. Day and night here, right? Until it'll become, it'll become a, a god of Torah. And don't worry about it. I will, I will uh, uh, look after him. I, I will, I will uh, you know, give them income until he finishes you know, all, all his learning. So the Rashiva heard this and immediately suggested the, the biggest masmid and the most special bacha in the whole, in the whole yeshiva, who was sitting and, and learning Torah day and night without, without a break, and, and they, they, they really believed that he was going to come out to be one of the great leaders of a generation. The villager was so happy on this amazing, amazing chosen that Baruch Shem Yebin Zaycha to get, and very quickly they, they signed a, 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 a tanoim, 
and they made a date for the for the wedding. Right? So after the wedding, which obviously was celebrated very, very uh, luxuriously, very, very amazingly, so the, the young couple got a, a, a very nice flat in the village, and the young chosen sat and, and learned Torah without, without stop. Right? Obviously, he stopped to eat and, and, and to sleep a bit, and the, the father of the Kala saw this, and he was so happy on the tremendous chus that he had in his chalik, that he had such a, a son-in-law was a tamachokham and, and a Yerushimayim. But half a year later, uh, one of the days when the chosen went out from the place where he was learning in order to go home, so he stopped off for a second to see all the flocks of cattle and, and sheep. And then he found it very, very interesting. And during his afternoon break, he uh, enjoyed to go and, and, and sit, right, uh, together in, in the field with the, with the sheep and the, and, the, and the goats and to enjoy the beautiful, clear air out, out, out there, which, because the village was obviously an unpolluted place, anyway, and it was, in, it was at the foot of mountains, was a beautiful, beautiful place. And slowly, slowly, he began to be drawn more and more after the agricultural side and, and started wasting his time. And every day, he spent more and more time walking around and wasting his time and uh, spending less and less time in his learning. And it became the subject of conversation in the village. So the the Shver, the father-in-law, heard this, and straight away he called in his son-in-law and said to him, um, you promised that you're going to learn Torah without a break. Why are you now wasting time? So the son-in-law answered him, what are you talking about? I learn every single morning, two hours after after Domini, and that's more than anyone else in the village learns. They don't open a safer at all the whole day. I'm much, much more than any of them. The father-in-law got very angry and said to him, did I take you to be my son-in-law and that you should uh, uh, be, be uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, supported by me that just because you should be better than anyone else in this, in this village? I took you as a son-in-law because you were the biggest masmid in the yeshiva in the big, in the big city. And therefore, right, your relationship to your learning needs to be uh, uh, the same as your friends in the yeshiva. Don't compare yourself to the people in my village. The chassan heard this and he accepted upon himself to go back and learn as, as he was doing. Says the Dvnamagat, what's the nimshal? Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands us, Kedoshim to you, you shall be holy. In other words, fulfill my mitzvahs and you will Raise your level of Kedusha. So some Yid, some might come along and say, okay, I don't need so much Kedusha. I'll do a few mitzvahs that I'll do, and, uh, you know, I'm still a lot better than my friends or my neighbor. He's, he's a mamasha Russia, right? I'm better than him, okay, right? And I'm, I'm uh, in relation to him, I'm a tzaddik. So that's enough for the little that I'm doing. So that's what the Torah says, no. 
You have to be holy. Why? Our relationship to fulfilling mitzvahs and, and to Kedusha cannot be in, in, in comparing ourselves to the mitzvahs of some other yid or certainly someone that's not as great as you because then you're going to uh, uh, find it sufficient to just do a little bit. The, 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 the Kedusha has to be always on the level compared to Shemayim, to the, to the Malachim. Compare yourself to HaKadosh Baruch Compare yourself, yes, I got a long way to go. I may never get there, but I got to keep going. I can't rest on my laurels and just be better than, than the next guy. And perhaps we can give, give another, another reason why the Torah added this phrase, Ki Kodesh Ani Hashem Elokechem. The Gemara in Saita brings regarding Yosef HaTzadik and Mrs. Mrs. Uh, 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 Potiphar. It says there, She grabbed his garment, Lamar, to say to him, be, be with me. Says Gemara, at that time, the uh, uh, Yosef saw an image of his father in the window, and he said to him, Yosef, says, uh, your brothers are going to be written, all the names of the 12 tribes are going to be written on the stones of the ephod that the kind God wears, and you're amongst them. Do you want that your name should be erased from amongst them? And you'll be called a raya zaina, someone who cultivated immor- immorality, the kasev raya zaina is someone who, who gets involved with the immorality loses everything. So straight away, Yosef strengthened himself and resisted the temptation. And the obvious question is, why did Yaakov choose to try to convince Yosef not to do an avera in order that he shouldn't lose the privilege of being written on the stones of the ephod. Wouldn't it be enough to just warn him for the punishment that you're going to get for this terrible, terrible... I mean, no, this is one of the most serious averes a person person can do. Surely that should have been the nature of, of, Yaakov's, of Yaakov's warning. And this, this is not a new question. The, the, the Yaris Devashev, Yaris Naivashev already asked this this. Uh, this, this, this questions. So there are two possibilities how a person can save himself from the Yetzirah. One is through Yirasa'inish, being afraid of the consequences of the punishment one might get from doing that, that sin, right? To conjure up to yourself the, the terrible, severe consequences and ramifications that he's going to get for every Avera that he does both in this world and in Al-Mabba. But there's another way of preventing ourselves from the, from the Yetzirah. And that is, let's elevate ourselves and raise ourselves even higher. If we kind of jack up in ourselves the desire to become close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and to be doivek, to, to stick to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the highest level, and through that, a person uh, 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 merits, right, that, that uh, he's going to be so much higher that the things that would 
attractive, the things that he would consider desirable on his previous uh, uh, level will completely disappear into into, uh, into, into oblivion. You know, uh, someone who's a, a, a big star, a big mumkha, is not going to sally his reputation with something with something uh, uh, small. Right? The greater person is, the, 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 the less these small uh, mundane things have any, have any connection uh, uh, to him. Right, only only a person as the as this farm say someone who has a a malchin the katnas a small minded person who is attracted by by small by small uh, small things, right? Because when a person uh, uh, is in a tremendous state of 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 test, so he has the the ability the the gates are open. If he takes a leap and raises himself to a higher higher level, he can completely, completely distance himself from from that test. Therefore, the pasuk says, "Kedushim to you." How are you going to have the ability to overcome the yetsara that wants to cause you to sin, that wants to bring you down, that wants to defile you? Right? Why? Because I am Hashem, your God, through the desire. That a person would have to come close to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. If you desire to come close, you will, and therefore that will raise your level summarily, and that hate will no longer have any attraction to you. And that's what the Al Sheikh is saying in 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 explaining this mitzvah of of Kadosh to you. And he says that since Hakadosh Baruch Hu is coming to warn the the, the human being. On, on the tremendous level of, of Hasidus and Kedusha that he has the ability to acquire for his Ruach and his Neshama to be mamish similar to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, there are people, right, and, uh, and, and people, unfortunately, who are off the, the, the intelligent path and they claim that not every single person is able is has the ability to become close to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and uh, only a sort of a yechidei school or one person in a generation has the right to come close to, to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and therefore they don't bother to get involved in in Avodas Hashem. They don't even bother get go to the first rung of the ladder that will lead a person to completion in in his Torah learning and his mitzvah performance. And, and, and acting in, 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 a, in a very sublime, sublime way. No, because they, they hold, it's not, it's not relevant. No Jew can, can, can reach the, the, uh, the, the ability of, of being close to, close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's not true. We, we, we know that every single person has the ability to, to climb that ladder and come closer and closer every day, every moment, every act he does, come closer to, to HaKadosh Baruch. And that's why Hashem told us, speak to the whole Jewish nation, call Adas Yisrael, Kedoshim to you. Because he gathered them all together to teach them that the entire Klai Yisrael are prepared and ready for this climb. The Ramah, we know, was born in the year Reish, Reish Pei, in the city of, of Krakow, to his father of Yisrael Isilis, who was a very, very wealthy person and was one of the leaders of the community and one of the two big Jewish businessmen in town that the, the, the Polish uh, king, uh, Zygmunt, 
uh, used them a lot. They, get, they, they were given a license to open shops, right, without any, without any limitations. So Rabbi Yisrael had a huge business of, of, of like uh, uh, carpets and, 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 and woven things. And because of Kavit Shabbos, he always had the minute to close the shop Erev Shabbos already at, at, at noon he closed the shops. And all his customers knew. And even the, the even, even if the shop would be full full of, of customers, Rabbi Shah would announce exactly at twelve, I'm closing, I'm closing the shop. And it would nothing would make a difference. He wasn't interested in listening to anybody. One time on Friday. A tycoon walked into the shop and wanted to order a huge amount of merchandise. So the Balabas went and measured everything out for him and presented him with the uh, with a bill. The man looked at the bill and said, but I actually need more than this. And uh, could you measure out a larger quantity? And every soul looked at the clock, goes ready, 5 to 12. And he said, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that uh, uh, you know, before 12 o'clock. So the tycoon said, look, if you don't complete the order with me today, I'm, I'm going to leave and I'm going to cancel the whole order. And Rabbi Shul said, so be it. And this tycoon said to himself, I can't believe this Jew is just playing games with me. There's no way he's going to let such a huge, attractive offer slip through his fingers. But came 12 o'clock and Rabbi Shul excused himself and he announced everyone should please leave the shop and he locked the shop, the shop up. That night, Rabbi Shaul had a dream, and they told him that this had been a nisayan sent to him from Shemayim to see if, even in the in the face of a huge prophet, he would change his stand, or if Kovit Shabbos would win the day, even in that situation. And in course of the fact that he had stood up to his morals, stood up to his norms, and not given in to stay in the shop beyond 12 o'clock, he would be zeicher, that he would have a child who would light up the eyes of all of Chayisrael. And that was, of course, the great Rav Moshe Islis, the great Ramah, from whose mouth we live almost universally to today. This is 101.1, Chai FM, Soul to Soul, the program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kedesh as we get ready for another amazing and beautiful Shabbos, first one after Rosh Chodesh Iyar. We are now in the Sphira period, working our way up towards, of course, towards towards Shavuos. Towards Shavuos. And as we always do at this time on the show, to give you the important details we need for the coming Shabbos. So let's start with this afternoon, the earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles. Today will be at about 4.26. 26 minutes past 4 is already a great time to get your Shabbos started, get everything ready, get the, all the butts on the stove, get all the food hot. You might want a nice hot meal tonight. It's getting towards winter. And, uh, yeah, if you're not going to be going to shul, and certainly daven, or of course, better to go to shul. The shul will probably start at the time of the latest candle lighting, which this week is at 516. 516 is the latest time for benching lich. Make sure everything 
is ready by then so that you can really accept the Shabbos and light the candles and really allow the atmosphere, the aura, the Kedusha of Shabbos to permeate into your house at that at that time. Sunset is then at uh, 5.34, um, which is absolutely the latest injury time that you possibly could uh, could could need. Um, and you have to have everything ready by then. If you therefore want to have an Mayrev at, uh, at uh, that time and be able to uh, not have to repeat the Krishma. So if you wait till about 5.52, 10 minutes to 6, 8 minutes to 6, already it's already proper night and you can then have an Mayrev and not have to repeat the Krishma uh, again. Tomorrow, of course, being the Parshas Kedoshim, we are Zaycha to the shortest Haftarah of the year. It's just about nine Pesukim, I think, but uh, it's a, it doesn't mean it's not an action-packed Parsha and an action-packed Haftarah. Lots and lots of mitzvahs, lots of very, very important issues. The whole sugya of, of Lashon Hara is, is contained in this week's Parsha. Many, many, many other, other vital uh, particularly mitzvahs that are between man and man, our interpersonal relationships are very heavily discussed in this week's in this week's uh, uh, parsha. Uh, if your community is one that observes the bahab, the three fasts after after uh, Pesach and Sukkot, so that will begin this Monday and should be announced on on Shabbos in the in in the shul. The Shabbos continues this week. We read. Uh, Perik base of Pirkei Pirkeiavos, second week of the six between Pesach and, and Shavuos, and Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at six o six. Is really the time of Shabbos being over. We're getting already towards the winter winter shortest uh, uh, Shabbosus, but uh, that's the cycle. It gets short, it gets long. We enjoy them. We enjoy them all, all the time. We are learning the laws of. Shabbos meals, and we know that it's a special mitzvah to Shabbos to not just obviously to eat bread, yes, but to specifically to make the bracha of Hamoitzi over two loaves of, of bread, right? And that reminds us of the, the man, which we know fell double on, on Friday, right? Uh, and, and did not fall on Shabbos. So in, in commemoration of the double portion of man that fell on Friday, we take two loaves of, of bread. It's called lechem mishneh, double allocation of, uh, of, uh, of bread. And, of course, the truth is there are a lot, a lot of things about the Shabbos that are actually doubled, right? Uh, okay, we have mitzvahs that, that work uh, in, in Paris. First of all, we already discussed the concept of Zohar Veshamar, right? There's the positive aspect of Shabbos and the, the, uh, discipline of Shabbos where one doesn't do any of the forbidden activities. They, they go, they go together. We know the, in, in the time of the temple, the sacrifices that were brought on Shabbos were double. It was two, uh, uh, sheep without any any uh, any blemishes, the the punishment for God forbid for someone who breaks Shabbos and for the reward 
for someone who keeps the Shabbos are also a, a, a double, and even the the the, the bread on which we want to make hamaytzi, we we double we double it uh, double it up, and and the, the the point is to to express the the greatness of of this day of of Shabbos that has. The, all these double double attributes, these double double benefits of uh, of of keeping of keeping it. Now, the the mitzvah is that the person who's going to make hamotzi and actually cut the the uh, the bread holds at the time that he's making the bracha of hamotzi, he holds the two loaves in his his hand. But obviously, it's enough that he cuts uh, a one. He doesn't have to cut both. He can cut just one. Because the fact that he's holding both of the breads in his hand at the time that he makes the, the bracha, so that already fulfills the mitzvah to, to uh, 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 be making a bracha over, over the two over the two breads. And that, in fact, uh, is brought down by, by the Rambam. It's brought down by, by Rashi and in the Shulchan Aruch. Actually, in Reishayin Dalit, uh, paskins like that, uh, like that also. There are those who say there is an opinion that it is a mitzvah to actually cut both yeah. breads when you make hamotz. You cut actually both breads at the same time, and uh, that's brought down by the the Shla Kaddish and the Vilna Gaon. The Vilna Gaon had the meaning also to cut both breads at the same at the same time. If you want to uh, uh, take on such a a custom, so then it obviously makes more sense that your challah should be slightly smaller, depending on obviously how much challah you need, how big your your table is, how many people there are, uh, or how big challah eaters uh, you happen to be. If you have lots and lots of dips and and uh, and therefore you need lots of hearts of challah to act as as your as your dip aid then you might want to have big challahs. but if you're going to be cutting two then you got to just modulate that you shouldn't have too much uh challah over and you should make small loaves rather than big ones in order that you should be able to finish them at the uh, at the uh, at the meal well the truth is the the, the primary custom amongst most of the Jewish nation is that they only cut one of the two of the two loaves. Now, there are many, many different customs as to how one places the two the two loaves at the time of the bracha. There are some who have the custom that they put one challah on top of the other and and then they cut the bottom loaf, the one that's underneath, right? There's some who have the custom to have one on top of the other and cut specifically the top challah. That's the meaning of the of the ari of the ari. <laughs> There's some who, like good Jews, compromise and have the custom to cut at night the bottom challah. And in the day, they cut the top challah. And that, in fact, is the, the opinion of the Ramal there and, and the primary uh, opinion followed by, by the Ashkenazim. Right? Now, if you're going to be cutting the bottom challah, 
then when you arrange them one on top of the other, you shouldn't do them directly on top of each other, but you should move the, the, the bottom one slightly closer to yourself at the time when you make the bracha, says, says, says the Mishnah Burah, because we have a, a, a principle of Ein mavirin alamitzis. We don't want to pass by a, a mitzvah. So if I have a challah on top, by, by definition, something that's on top is closer to me. I want to cut the bottom one, which is further than me. So in effect, I'm I'm sort of passing by the top loaf to get to the bottom loaf. So in order to avoid that problem, I make them a little bit like a step, so that the bottom one, although it's underneath the top one, is actually closer to to me, and therefore. I'm not. I'm not jumping over it. I'm actually encountering it first because it's actually closer to me, and therefore I can cut that one, that one, uh, that one first. Uh, there are some who follow the custom of the uh, of the arizal that actually uh, have on the table twelve small, uh, twelve small chalas for each of the of the of the meals. We're going to. Come back and finish discussing this in a moment, but we're going to take a short break now. This is 11.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Pashas, as we have a few more minutes left, and we're talking about the mitzvah of making Hamaytzi, such an important part of our ceremony that begins our Shabbos meal, and we're talking about different customs that exist as to how to set up the Chalas, or Kitkas, as they're, as they're colloquially called here, before making the bracha. We spoke about some of the custom of having them one on top of the other, and some cut the top, some cut the bottom, some actually uh, cut one, cut the bottom one at night, and top one in the day. And we even brought the custom that some have the custom of of cutting uh, both at night. And then we even actually brought the the custom of the ariza that you have twelve little chalas for each meal. Now, certainly in the first instance. One should be careful that the chalas one uses are complete, absolutely complete, with nothing uh, uh, missing. And therefore, uh, if you, uh, you know, even if you uh, have a chala that has like a little tag on it, a sticker, don't remove that before you make the bracha, because sometimes when you remove the sticker, it removes some of the crust. Uh, uh, with it, and that would affect chala as not being 100% perfectly complete. Um, when there's, uh, if you have loaves that aren't completely full, then one should choose the one that is more complete. Where it's really, really necessary, so then you could even uh, take as a lecha mishnah, even something that you take straight out of the uh, freezer and, and use that for your, for your, for your second uh, uh, loaf if there's no other bread available. There are some say that if there's no other option, let's say you have a loaf of bread, it's already sliced, but it's in a packet, 
So some say so since it's all in a packet and it's all like together, therefore, so it is considered like a complete loaf, and you could use it for for lecha mishnah. If someone doesn't have uh, any whole loaves, all he has is slices. So then you can make a bracha over two pieces, over two slices of of uh, of bread. Now the reality is that even by sudash lishit, you really should also have lecha mishnah. You should have two uh, breads that you make hamoitzi on, right? Good again to to express this whole concept of Shabbos with all its with all its uh, doubles. If you, at the end of the day you don't have two available breads, so then you can could make hamotzi over one complete complete bread because at the time when the man happened, so obviously uh, by the time they came to Sudishlishish on on Shabbos, so all they had was one thing left. They had eaten all the Friday food, all the Shabbos food, except uh, that, last, that last meal. So therefore, if there's nothing else, one could even uh, uh, make Hamotzi over the one over the one love. That about completes our time together for this week. It's always such a pleasure being with you and having a time together. I just want to take the opportunity to thank you, first of all, uh, all of you, all of our radio family, everyone, wherever, no matter where you might be in the world, for taking the time to tune in, to listen, hopefully to be inspired, uplifted, educated, and Bez Hashem, to wish each and every one of you that this Shabbos, that's coming, that's about to start, should be one that's full of bracha, full of hatzlacha, full of simcha, full of the, the achdus, the unity, the togetherness of each family or each person by, by themselves, because one can be shalim with oneself. Also just feeling as that you have a direction in life, and just to each and every one of our radio family, a warm and geschmack and uplifting. Good Shabbos.